Welcome to the Rock Your Purpose podcast, home of the Rock Your Purpose revolution. This is the place to find inspiration and life-changing tools to awaken your authentic self and activate your purpose. Inspirational speaker and international teacher Emily Perry will take you behind the scenes in creating your own purpose revolution. So get ready to rock your purpose, lead your tribe and manifest your vision for your life. Here's your host, Emily Perry. Hey there, welcome back to the Rocky Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Perry, and I'm so thrilled that you are here with me in this moment. And I'm hoping you're well. I'm hoping that everyone you know is well. And thank you so much for you know, spending time with me here on the show. So today's episode is a special interview with Jennifer Loudon. She is a personal growth pioneer and an amazing human. And it's really, it was an honor to have her on the show. I've read her books. I've been following her journey online for like at least probably 10 years now. And it's just really an honor to have her on the show. We talked about her new book, Why Bother? and so much more. And so I can't wait to share the episode with you. Today's episode is brought to you by my upcoming course, the Heart Medicine Masterclass. This is a six-week experience where you'll heal your heart and reclaim your power. And I'm so excited to bring this to you because I've you know, I've been listening to what everyone's been saying in the Facebook group, our Rocky Purpose group. I'll link for you in the show notes. And what people have been saying, the feedback I've been getting from our 40-day heart medicine activation practice. And so we are expanding on that experience in creating a six-week experience for you. And you can get on the wait list. Just go to emilyperry.com slash heart medicine and you'll hear all about it. It's launching very soon. So go ahead, get on the list, emilyperry.com slash heart medicine. Learn more about this six-week practice designed to heal your heart and help you reclaim your power. So a little bit about Jennifer Loudon. She is this personal growth pioneer who helped launch the concept of self-care with her 1992 best-selling debut book, The Woman's Comfort Book. She's also the author of five additional books, including The Woman's Retreat Book, The Life Organizer, and the just-released Why Bother. With close to a million copies of her books in print in nine languages, Jennifer is a sought-after speaker addressing audiences across the USA, Canada, and Europe. She's a former columnist for Whole Living, uh, Martha Stewart Magazine, and has appeared on a number of television and radio shows and podcasts, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, which, you know, that's like a big deal. (laughs) Her work has been featured in People, USA Today, CNN, and Brene Brown's books, Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead. So it's such an honor to have her here on the show. Let's dive into this amazing interview. Well, welcome, Jen, to the Rock Your Purpose podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I like this idea of rocking my purpose. (laughs) That sounds like a really good idea right now. (laughs) Well, right now, you know, the times that we're in, um, you know, for those of you listening later, right now we're in the middle of, or at some point in the COVID-19 pandemic. And so we've all had this time to, you know, really get introspective. And uh, when your book, I heard your book is coming out, I was so excited about it. And so your book is called Why Bother? 
And I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've you know, made my way through part of it, but it's really, I just want to say, beautifully written, such a well-crafted book. Oh, um, thank you. And um, I was definitely like, just reading through the beginning part of it, I was like, whoa, like this is, the, I think a lot of people are gonna be like, this is the book that I wish I wrote, you know? <laughs> like, no. So beautiful. Thank um, you. And I loved how you just took this idea of why bother and kind of flipped it. Um, mm. And what like inspired this book like to come into being in the first place? Was there a time oh, that it just really showed up for you? It showed up um, very slowly over many years and many different forms. And the short story, and the, let me the long story because I think that really belongs in the purpose category. Mm -hmm. And what I tend to call signature themes, the things that we are drawn to do and explore. I have been trying to understand, I think since I was little, but definitely as an adult and a writer and a personal growth person, for 15, 20 years, how do we navigate the hard things in life, the hard times that are inevitable for all of us, and come out with strength and clarity and more life than less how do we not become bitter mm -hmm. and I, so i had written versions of this i didn't have any idea that it was called why bother and one version was actually i spent four years and 500 pages writing what i thought was going to be what i would call a traditional narrative memoir like wild or educated that you would sit down and read all the way through and I um, hired a friend of mine who's a great book coach Jenny Nash and I said here yeah here's a little bit of money just read it I didn't even know it was 500 pages until I exported it <laughs> and I sent it to her and she's like well, it took eventually it took her many days to tell me this she had to have the bad news of telling me that it just didn't work in the book but what had happened in that four years, Emily, was I had figured out how to bother. I had come out of a really long, dark time. And I had this map that I could look back on in this memoir. Not just the last two, three, four years when I'd been really darkly stuck, but other times in my life that I had really come up against this, this question we need to ask, which is, what do I want to care about? What do I want to do? What lights me up where do i come alive what do i want to bother about what do i don't want to bother about and every single time i had choked i had not gotten gone all the way through what we might call i don't know the transition the process the rediscovery of desire and out of that failed memoir eventually a few months later came this book so it was a, it's a long, long process. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can feel the depth of that though, at the same time, like in the book, like you can mm -hmm. feel like it's been a felt through journey. Like it's not, it's, it, it's clear that this is, it's like years and years and years of like working through this material and, and really seeing it come to life in a lot of like the stories that you tell in the book as well with people you've worked with, but also within your own life. And, um, it's really, you can really feel the depth of that. And I know this is, and this is so much of what I hear from my, you know, my students and my clients too, is just like mm -hmm. they get to that stuck point, you know, and, and then where do we go from there? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and I love and this I, I, sort of like a map, right. To that journey yes. for people. Yes. And, you know, to me, the thing that I discovered in writing the book that I didn't know was that we all ask our version of why bother. And believe me, listeners, you may never use the words why bother. 
Yours may be, what's the point? It's too late. I'm too old. It's all been done. He won't change. She'll never listen to me there. You know, come on. There's just, there's no, I, I, there's no point. Mm-hmm. We all use different language, but the, the truth of it all is we think we know the answer and it's no, there is no point. There is no reason to bother. And so really, if you just take one idea away from the book, it's that you don't know that there is a reason why you're stuck. There's a reason why you're asking this question you think you know the answer to, but you really don't. There's always more. There's always more for us, but we give up. We invest in being stuck. We invest in saying there's no point. Why should I write that book? It's all been written. Why should I try in my marriage? He's never gonna, she's never gonna change. We think yeah. we know the answer because it keeps us safe. It keeps us defended. Exactly. It's like the safety of what we, even though it's uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Or Yeah, we may hate it, but hey, man, it's known. <laughs> exactly. It's like a known factor. So it's mm-hmm. like known terrain. And um, how do, so in, when people have that, like how do people bridge that? I mean, there's so much to talk about in this book. I know we could talk for hours, but it's bridging that gap, I guess, from like being in this place of like, I mean, there's so many mindset shifts that happen in, in this process, but like when people are first at that point in the white bother point, and then you say, okay, we're, this is actually part of our journey, right? Is to be at this point and not know. And then what's our, what are people's next steps? Like, so what, where do we go from there? Yeah, what I try to elucidate in the book is that what keeps us unhappy, stuck, unfulfilled, whatever words we want to use, is that we actually want to figure out where we're going. We want to figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. We want to figure out if it's worth it. Those are not the questions to be asking. What I want you to do with this process in the book, whatever parts of it speak to you and not all of it will, is discover the desire for what's next. So we need to pull them apart. The desire is what we're missing. The connection to life, the connection to wanting, the connection to knowing what we want and knowing that we want matters. Instead, we focus on how's it going to work? What's it going to get me? Is, Is it worth it? And that's, that's why we keep going around in the same washing machine, if you will. That's why Uh I got the process. I stopped the process every time in my life and ended up, yeah, with some change and some growth, but not that wholesale, like, it's almost like I can see the cells in our bodies get revitalized because what I'm asking you to do is to step into that gap and hang out there Mm -hmm. and not figure it out yet. And I'm not saying it's easy. I I screwed it up time after time after time. I'm 57 now. (laughs) I'm just getting it. (laughs) (laughs) Takes us a while. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a very slow learner. I I have faith that everybody listening can do this a lot better than I can. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's really, okay. So we're almost putting like the cart before the horse, so to speak, when we're trying to look Mm -hmm. for all these answers instead of you know, flipping the, flipping the model and going to, okay, what's, what's at the root or what's like really going to lead, lead us down that path of creating the life that we want to create. Yeah. Or even more so imagine that 
when we come to these places in life, and sometimes it has nothing to do with our choices. Someone dies that we loved during this pandemic. Maybe our business has fallen apart. Maybe our clients can't afford to pay us anymore. Maybe somebody we love has died from the virus, right? Things mm -hmm. happen to all of us. And suddenly we find ourselves going, WTF. So what I'm suggesting is when that happens, or it's through our choices, or it's through, you know, not taking care of ourselves, burning out. I'm, again, I'm raising my hand over here. I've done that more than once. Yeah. <laughs> I am, what I'm trying to imagine for you, for me, is that there is this spring, a spring of life, and that we have let that spring get all gunky. And our job, before we figure out what our next steps are, what our career is going to look like, now, of course, sometimes we have to be managing all these things at the same time. So this isn't the perfect world. We're going to clean out that spring so that life can flow again, so that we have energy, so that we have desire. And then we can start to be drawn to have the courage, have the clarity to take those actions to figure out what's next. And yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I wish I, you know, there are plenty of practical ideas in the book. It's not that it's all airy fairy like that by any means, but it's that needing to know what's next. When we go to it too soon, Emily, our, it's usually too small for us. Mm. It's based on who we've been, uh, yeah. what we've had, not who we want to become. Yeah, because you can only project into the future like these ideas or concepts or like constructs. From, where, from your past experience for where you've been, whereas when you tap into desire, so to speak, or that deeper life force within us, you know, that mm -hmm. deeper call, then it's sort of like, then you can, you open to something bigger, perhaps, you know, or something that mm -hmm. you haven't seen before. And it's hard to really or do maybe, that, right? if you're stuck in the, the old stories. Exactly. And maybe it's not bigger. You know, maybe you decide you're going to stay in the marriage that isn't perfect or the job that pays well, but you know, sometimes you just want to stab your eyes out. It's so boring because it gives you other things that are important to you, mm -hmm. but that will be an actual choice you made. And maybe the aliveness is going to come because you're actually going to start taking weekends off and doing things that you enjoy, that bring you alive, that challenge you, that you want to learn about. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's going to be some kind of commitment to your health, for example, that you haven't been able to make before, but it's not going to come from that place of self-improvement or fixing yourself. It's going to come from a sense of, I really want to explore this. I really want to explore what it would be like to feel better. Yeah. And how that would change everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It does help. It certainly does help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that because it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like, um, and start, instead of trying to band-aid everything, instead of just patching things, like a patchwork kind of model of just trying to fix things as they kind of come up, it's sort of like, okay, let's unravel this or let's take the step back and take that kind of deeper view. And, and yeah, maybe, um, and yeah, and playing bigger also can look like so many things. I mean, sometimes playing big, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. starting the garden you know, yes, yes, um, I mean, yes. that feels risky or edgy or <laughs> sweaty. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I find, um, you know, we had intensely big plans for this year and this book and mm -hmm. they have all gone away. Oh, every single thing we tried almost has failed, stopped, not happened. Mm -hmm. And I found myself as the pandemic started and all of this was happening and falling apart. I, I found myself getting really frozen, really depressed. Mm -hmm. really bummed 
And then this really interesting thing began to emerge. I'm like, well, let's read the book. What is the process again? (laughs) All right. Step number one, we've got to leave behind. We've got to leave behind what was supposed to happen. Mm. Launch day. uh, You know, I'm in New York on the Today Show or CBS and Good Morning, you know. Okay, Mm. that's not happening. I'm in my pajamas in bed with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) we we first have to leave behind what was what we wanted what we thought would be and then the next thing was to ease in and there's things in the book about that and for me easing in about the book launch and getting the word out about the book has really been this idea of self-compassionate grit that being so compassionate with myself with my disappointment with my grief really welcoming it while I stay active and gritty about showing up for podcast interviews, you know, asking people to do Amazon reviews, throwing at the last minute a virtual book party with a bunch of guests, mm-hmm. um, combining those two. Um, and then the next one is the next step in the process that I definitely, I've been struggling with, even I have to say in this pandemic is subtle, it's get quiet. Mm-hmm. And we had this one day of, I don't know, now there's no days anymore, right? So maybe it was <laughs> a week ago or two weeks ago, but we had a snow day. It snowed all day and it was super quiet. You know, we live near a small plane airport and there was no planes, there was no traffic noise. The highway's about a mile away, but we live on the prairie and it really, the noise carries. And it was such a good day for me to settle. But even then I find because of the pandemic news, right? I was, you know, going on the news and kind of skittling around. Mm-hmm. That settling is such an important part of this process. And then really desire. How do we awaken desire without being attached to outcome? Mm-hmm. And that's definitely, I'm working that hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm well, really working that hard. Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I teach yoga and a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, my work is influenced by yoga philosophy and yeah. um, I mean, a lot of this book, as I'm like beginning to really dive into it, I'm like, that's yoga. That's yes. Yeah, I started studying yoga when I was about 12. So yeah, yeah. yeah so the philosophy much. is so embedded yeah. And, yeah. and that idea of desire to, you know, without attaching to outcome, right? So we show up, we, as they say in the, the Gita, it's like this idea of like, we show up, we do our dharma, mm-hmm. we do the work we're called to do, and then we release the outcome, you know? And yeah. I think there's a freedom in that too. It's like, okay, I'm just going to show up and and um and as as completely as i can right now i mean we're in a pandemic <laughs> right mm-hmm. so we show up as our full self as as the environment and what's happening allows and then um and then we release the outcome and allow allow that flow to really take place you know and for me part of the gita that has been so important and there's just my version of my story about getting this in the book Mm-hmm. is that it's our dharma, not the dharma we want. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I might want, as I thought I did, the dharma of being the super cool, hip screenwriter who lived in LA and, you know, stayed up all night and rode a motorcycle. I mean, I've never, I've been on a motorcycle once in my life. It's so hysterical. <laughs> but that is not who I am. And, you know, one of the questions I got recently on the podcast was, you know, you've had so much success with your books and blah, blah, blah. And why did you struggle with it so much? Why did you reject it? Because I, I write about that in the book. And it's because mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to accept my dharma. Mm. And let me tell you, that cost me big time. It cost me in 
depression. It cost me in feeling like a fake and it cost me, I'm sure in money, because if I had been committed and welcoming who I was and what I was doing and really finding that it's a marriage, isn't it? Between this is what I want. This is what I'm drawn to and my Dharma. Like there's almost a tension sometimes between them. Or who yeah. Want, yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. I mean, think I think that tension's that? a that tension has got to be there. I think that's. I mean, I think that's probably that's like the dance. I think that we're all in the dance of opposites, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, and that's the tension that probably helps you grow, right? That helps me grow. It's sort of like that. And you talk about this in your book, actually, the gap. Yes, the gap. And there's this the gap, gap between where we are <laughs> and where we, you know, where we want to be, or there's a gap between like where we are and what we really desire, and like. I think that's really the, if we choose to be there and settle, like you were saying, and really settle, then we get to, we really get to grow into, you know, that being that we're feeling called to become. And it might not though look like what we think it's going to look like. (laughs) No, but you know, you're just making me think about something that I don't, I don't know that I really explored in the book. And maybe it's something I want to write about going in, you know, a blog post or something, but how do we accept, is there, is there a fate? Do we have a fate or a destiny that is our Dharma that's baked into us? Like we, like is talked about in the Gita and that we have to discover it. And then how does that work with what we want? Mm-hmm. And is what we want sometimes an illusion, right? That what is wanting to be that cool screenwriter or what, and then later wanting to be a novelist and writing a novel and then getting my, giving it to my agent, my agent saying, you know, you're a great writer. I love reading your writing. I cannot stand your main character. And then I never went back and rewrote the novel, but I said my desire was to be a novelist. Like this was my most heartfelt desire. Mm-hmm. I took my family and uprooted us from a, an amazing life in Santa Barbara, an amazing community. And we moved to Bainbridge Island in Washington and started all over again because I wanted to simplify our lives financially and write fiction. And mm. then I didn't, and I did it, and then I didn't keep doing it. So what is that about? I mean, I don't, I know you don't have an answer, but <laughs> it's an interesting question, isn't it? It is, it is. It's interesting because it's like, and then it's sort of, you know, what's really behind that desire? Like, is there mm-hmm. a desire beneath that desire that was really the core, the core desire maybe was to be in that simplified life? Um, and maybe you had to think you needed to be a novelist to get there. <laughs> or is it that we have, we have to, we have to accept our Dharma and then maybe we have, if I had accepted my Dharma of being a self-help writer up to that point and having published mm-hmm. however many books and keynotes and workshops and all that stuff, retreats, and maybe if I really embraced it, I could have moved on to being a mm-hmm. novelist. No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's just it's such an interesting question too, because it's like I think there's this dance between our gifts and our genius, and and I think sometimes like the ego's play of of what it wants and what it needs and like how we how we you know dance in that tension I think is really can be really interesting, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes we don't want to see our genius, you know, I mean, one of mm-hmm. like, so this kind of comes from the, the gay Hendricks um, model of like, you know, zones of genius. And, you know, obviously you had one for <laughs> doing the self-help work, you know, mm-hmm. and really having that insight. And sometimes it's really hard for us to see it. I think when we're in it, 
um, as well, you know? Yes, that's true. It is, it is all hindsight, as my dad used to say, is 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's very clear when you, and, and that's one of the things I say in the book a few repeated times. I think I repeat, repeat this a few times rather, is that I'm looking back at my life. I spent all these years writing about my life and then these patterns come out and then we decide that's what happened and that's what I'm learning. But I could, mm-hmm. you know, I could probably make a di- hundred different stories out of those patterns. Yeah. And it's beautiful too. In your book, you talk about like becoming by doing. Mm. And that's so much of, I think also like we can't know something or we can't know if something's a right fit for us unless we actually do it either. Right. And, um, you know, like, I mean, I've been through many career kind of paths, mm-hmm. but they all have wound back to the same thing at, at their essence. But it's like, I never would have known like, oh, I don't thrive in this kind of environment or working these kinds of people or, you know, do, I was an acupuncture, I'm also an acupuncturist, but I was treating people one-on-one. And um, it wasn't until I did that though, that I realized, oh, I love like a group of 500 people mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of just a one-on-one, you know? Um, and I love how you really get people into, like, that's one of the, so in your book, you have six steps to this journey that we can go on. And one of those is becoming by doing. And can you speak a little bit to that? Like, you know, taking action and in the unfolding that happens through that? Yeah. The core, the core idea is that when we find ourselves dissatisfied or something's been taken from us or something has ended and we start to really ask, we start to truly ask why bother? What do I want to bother about? How do I want to bother? We start to discuss, leave behind what isn't working, find that, begin to ease in, find some wonder. I say in the book, wonder opens the door to desire. Mm-hmm. And we really begin to claim our agency. And then we move into settling down, getting quiet, connecting with ourselves. Doesn't have to look like meditation or yoga if you don't want it to, but you probably do because you're listening to Emily. <laughs> and then the desire developing that relationship with desire and then become by doing I imagine again we're not trying to figure it out or make a plan yet but we are beginning to experiment we're beginning to give some form to what would it look like to really practice the truth that I matter and my desires matter no matter what the outcome is So we're trying to stay in that gap you mentioned earlier, that gap Mm -hmm. between, well, this is what I'm feeling and desiring, and this is maybe what I want, and I'm somewhere in the middle, and we're learning to get comfortable there while taking action. That's Mm -hmm. what Become by Doing is about. And learning to claim what is enough for us, not what is enough for everybody else in the world, or what is enough if we, again, accomplish something, get something, finish something. And it's not that accomplishing and getting and finishing aren't great things. They are, but it's that when we're in this place of rediscovering what we want and who we are and that we matter, we can't latch on to that outcome too soon, as Mm -hmm. we've already said. So become by doing it. It's different experiments around self-trust, around conditions of enoughness, this idea that I've cobbled together over many years around um, looking at our emotional immune system, which is really what blocks us from taking action. We're not self-sabotagers. We're not afraid of change. We're afraid of being undefended. So I give you an exercise for that. Yeah, that sounds like a a really important part of the book because so much of of what I, you know, when I work with people in my my programs and everything, Mm -hmm. this is usually, this is the heart of it right here. It's the self-trust. It's like the, it's that piece of, of, 
okay, allowing ourselves to want what we want. <laughs> yes. Not, oh my God. Just stop right there though. Isn't that huge, Emily? I mean, how many do you see of your clients and students who cannot let themselves want what they want? They can't name it. They're afraid. And, and this is so normal because desire in our culture and the Western culture, I don't know about other cultures, but the West mm-hmm. is absolutely like, oh my God, even the word like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? That's not safe. That's not fair. I'll get, I'll be too big for my pants. Something bad will happen. The other shoe will drop. What will people think of me? What if I don't get it? Mm-hmm. And that's just for starters. Oh yeah. And there's like, I mean, we've all been conditioned. I mean, I think this is where we really come across our, our conditioning up to this point mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, I, I even had a conversation last week with somebody who was like, you know, her whole life, she had been conditioned to not want what she wanted mm-hmm. because what she wanted wasn't, was secondary to what all these other people wanted in her family. Right. And she's now like 47, 48, and she's now just starting to like unravel the conditioning and mm-hmm. claim that. But it's, it's very, it's scary. I think that the power behind claiming what you want, like the power that's behind that, like that sovereignty I think scares a lot of people, right? Cause it's so- it does, because it means that we're taking deep responsibility for our lives, but we're also, I think, and you, everyone listening, you know, you're going to be able to relate to this because of a yoga practice, but we're allowing that energy to flow in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that, I have, I mean, I've worked with so many people that that energy starts to flow and they're like, okay, that's enough. Mm-mm, that's too much. I can't, I can't feel that much. We, we, we have to learn and we can, and everybody listening already has a lot of tools for this. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to make it safe mm-hmm. so that we can tolerate more and more of a relationship with desire. Mm-hmm. Even if it's standing in front of that refrigerator right now during the pandemic, when there's like, oh, there's no good food left. There's nothing I want. Well, okay, well, what, what could I find that I want? Am I worth taking the time to find what I want and make something? I, am, I love to eat. I hate to cook. I hate to make food. Thank God I'm married to a man who loves food and loves to cook. However, he only makes me one meal a day. He makes me dinner. <laughs> so breakfast is up to me, which is usually pretty easy. But lunch, I, almost every lunch, I'll be like, oh my God, I don't have enough time to eat. And I'll run down and just eat something. And he makes his lunch. He makes this beautiful plate of food for himself. And I can't tell you how many times I'm still doing this, people. I look over at him eating at the same time I'm eating. We both work at home, regardless of the pandemic. And I'll just yeah. be like, oh my God, I did it again. I didn't take the time to say, and maybe some days I don't care, but I didn't take the time in that simple way to say, what do I really want? And I'm worth the time to make it, even if it's never going to be as good as what he makes. Mm -hmm. So we become by doing, by, by making that lunch that we want, right? We become by doing, by saying, God, I really want to do yoga, but, but, but the Netflix is the next episode is starting. Do I really want to get up and do yoga? It's going to be such a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love that too because it's it's the small steps that builds mm-hmm. that builds the trust. It's the small steps. It's those everyday ways in which we we um, start to listen to our desire that allows us to take those bigger steps when it, when that call, that time is right for that. Right. 1000%. And here's what we do. 
we overlook those little steps. We say they're not important, this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that what I really want is to get my bed just right and all comfy and get the pillows just right. And I really want to read this novel and not the business book that I think I should be reading. Or I, you know, we, and we think that it, we just don't think it's important, but that's where we begin to unravel the discomfort and the messages from our parents or our church or our, um, our ex-husband that start to come up in that moment. Or we realize in that moment, oh my God, I actually don't know if this is what I want. And, that's, and we freak out and we stop. But what I'm suggesting is in that moment, in that, oh, but do I really want this or not? That's where the inquiry starts. That's where the, the repair starts. Yes. Yeah. That's so beautiful. It's not going to, it's not going to descend on you, you know, like with angels and unicorn glitter (laughs) and, you know, it's, it's a repairing of a relationship and it's always going to be evolving. I mean, you can hear me, I'm still working. I'll always be working on this. You know, what do I really want? How can I really savor it? What, Mm. if it's not satisfying, can I stop and change to something that is, or can I hang out in the not knowing place and be curious and, and, and see. And a lot of times that's when I grab my journal and start writing because that really helps me to think through it. Yeah, journal through it. And I think mm-hmm. for doing Just this to pandemic. to figure out what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I, th- during this pandemic, I feel like a lot of people have kind of gone through this. Like we're all going through like this pivot and what maybe we desired before <laughs> might not be what's really going to resonate with us, you know, as we yes. move forward. And so I feel like this book is really made for these times. Um, that I we're hope in. so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. You know, because you just, you know, one of my, my biggest dream for the book is that it helps as many people as possible and it's useful. Mm. And I have a lot of students saying to me, I'm really liking how my life is changing. How am I going to hold on to it when the pandemic is over? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah, that's what I just... say is you may not be able to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't it, know. Yeah. And it's the conscious, I think, you know, we make conscious choices and, now that you have that awareness, it's so much easier to, I think, move forward from that place. I mean, there's always going to be challenge there, but um, when I was looking through your book too, I did notice, I think you mentioned it briefly in our conversation, but you talked about something called the conditions of enoughness. And mm-hmm. can, do you mind just going into that a little bit? Cause I know that comes up for, I know we kind of did dive into like the idea of self-worth, but um can you talk a little bit about that and like what that, how that shows up for people? Yeah, I, I had a, a virtual book party and one of my guests talked about how that idea has been so life-changing for her. She's a former pro runner, one of the best runners in the world. Mm-hmm. And now she coaches runners and she's writing her first book and home with a book contract home with two little kids, right? And how she's using these to find these 15 minutes to work. But the idea behind them is I, they came, the, all the elements of conditions of enoughness came from a bunch of people. And the first place it came from was business where I learned something about conditions of satisfaction. And that was the idea that if you make a request of an employee or a, a colleague, that you have to actually tell them if they promise to do X, what will satisfy you? So not, will you read the report, but what does it mean? By when would you want them to, read the report, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. I would use those with clients for quite a while. And then one day I cottoned on to the fact that 
if we don't declare what is enough for us, what will satisfy us? I flipped it around. Instead of it being a contract that you make with another person, what's the contract you make with yourself to keep the promises to yourself, to keep the commitments to yourself? How do you know that you got there? How do you declare it's enough? And I wrote this sentence, if we, always, if we never declare what will satisfy us, we will never be satisfied. And then I tried to codify it because we've talked about enough. Like I'm sure, you know, I remember, you know, many years ago you would talk about what, what's ever going to be enough money or, you know, sort of big goals of enough. But I wanted to make it really like practical. Mm -hmm. So there's four elements. And the first element is you declare what is enough in facts, not opinions or assessments. And so right there is huge because so often we sit down to, let's say, spend an hour with our kids and we're like okay what does it mean to spend an hour what will be enough here if they're happy okay good luck with that right <laughs> if everybody has a good time and nobody gets in a fight okay good luck with that <laughs> yeah. right or my mom my, my mom died of alzheimer's about a year ago and it was as many people know long slide into her decline and it was very my mom and i had a, we loved each other but we were very different people and it was I had a difficult, I had a difficult relationship with her. She didn't have a difficult relationship with me. <laughs> and um, I would go there every day because my mom was an alcoholic and she, I had to bring her wine every day, watered down wine that she didn't know was watered down. I couldn't leave her more than her half a bottle of watered down wine or she'd drink it all. Mm. And so I had to go there every day and I learned to set conditions of satisfaction for myself, conditions of enoughness to really be like, okay, what will be enough? It, because it was so hard for me to spend time with her for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. So there's those, these things that feel difficult, big projects, emotional things, family things that we can say, what is enough? Is it enough that when I'm with my mom, that I take three breaths before I say anything? Because of course, conversations with her become very repetitive and mm -hmm. challenging. Um, and then the second element is that you give it some kind of container. So let's say, let's flip over to something easier, like writing. Let's say you're trying to write a blog or write a book. I work with writers as a small part of my business. And one of the things we'll do is, is say, well, how many words would you write today? Or how many, how long would you stay without being interrupted with your work? And then you can say, I did it right? Or you can think of it as exercise. You know, I'm going to exercise 30 minutes. I use time all the time with my exercise. I use miles with my running. Mm -hmm. I'm going to run five miles today. I know when I've done it. Mm -hmm. I'm declaring that is enough instead of going, well, maybe I'll try to sort of run some miles or at least five miles. I hear people do this a lot, at least 500 words. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, take that out. You make a clear commitment to yourself like you would to someone else. And then you celebrate that you did what you said you would do, even if you don't feel like celebrating, because that begins to train your brain and rewire it to notice you do what you do mm. instead of the negativity bias, which pays all the attention in the world to what you didn't do, why you aren't enough, why you shouldn't be satisfied. So declare what is enough in fact. Oh, and then the other one, I missed part. There's four steps. I missed a step, which is um, on an average day, how many of us wake up in the morning and think this is the day that I'm going to be superhuman and I'm not even going to need to go to the bathroom or eat or, you know, pause for a moment or leave the computer or the client meetings or the Zoom meetings or whatever. No, don't set yourself up for that. 
Yeah. What's enough for you on, a, on an average day, the average day when you actually have to go to the bathroom, when you need to zone out for half an hour on Instagram, or you know, when you want to make a nice lunch and sit down and eat it. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love that. So it's too. really, really practical. And you know, some people use it for everything on their to-do list. I don't, I find that oppressive. I use it for things that are hard, scary, or flobbly you know, that are hard to put my arms around, or I use it for things that are going to trigger me to not feel good enough. And it also helps with like that tendency, I think, for humans to keep moving the bar. Yes, so. of course. Oh my God. You, yes, 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 yes. It's a huge part of it. Yes. Oh, well, I did it. I, I, I ran five miles yesterday. Today I should run 20. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and then you never, it's like, you're never, you're never satisfied. Never satisfied. because And you begin to live and believe a story at your core that you are not enough. And then if you are not enough, why would your desires matter? Why bother? Why bother? <laughs> exactly. You see how it all fits together. <laughs> so beautiful. Well, this is such, it's such a beautifully crafted book, as I was saying. And um, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, really beautifully done. And the journey that you take people on is it's, it's such a, a beautiful journey. And um, how can people work with you or find out more about, I know there's the, the, all the book links and all the links and everything obviously will be in the show notes. And we are going to give away a digital copy. So um, for those of you listening, um, there'll be um, information on how to enter for that. You'll have to tag us on Instagram at rockyourpurpose and at emilyperry.co. And your handle is at Jen um, Loudon? Yes, Jen Loudon. Yeah, yeah. so you have yeah. to tag all three of us in your Instagram story or post. And I'll, there'll be more information about that in the show notes on how to win. You have to just take a screenshot of this episode and tag us. But um, in terms of people following up with you and just, you know, learning more about what um, this book and what you have to offer, what's the best way for people to, to get in touch with you? Yeah, come on over to jenniferloudon.com forward slash why dash bother. And um, you can get a first chapter if you want to check the book out. We're going to be giving away a spot in one of my desire retreats this this summer if they go <laughs> please yeah, please yeah. please let's figure out this pandemic by july and we have one in july and one in september so we're going to draw we're going to do a drawing later in may for that um so if you go over there and give us a receipt for the book um you can get a chance to draw that we're going to do a free course on the book later in june oh wow so that's that's one way to do that and then if you're like i don't know if i like jen enough then you can just sign up under jenniferloudon.com sign up and you can get the free first chapter and check it out and see if you want to buy the book and you know have more to do with me <laughs> so we um, give you two ways you can jump right in and get more or you can you know see if you want to <laughs> yeah or sign up for the retreat right now <laughs> oh yeah or sign up for the retreat we do yeah sign up for the retreat we still have a few spots uh, taos july is taos and september is north carolina so both oh, really different, wonderful locations. And they're, they're going to be amazing. We're going to dive into what is it, what is desire and how do we let it flow? And what is it like to feel it and not be afraid of it? Beautiful. Well, it sounds like um, such, such amazing experiences available with you and the book, you know, it's definitely, it's kind of funny, this book is, I've been, you know, I got it yesterday when it went, it went live and my husband's like, are you going to unhighlight any of it? Because... <laughs> <laughs> it's like you get to the point it's like what 
why highlight when the whole page is yellow? So <laughs> I've um, heard that from a few people. And so I think even you know, some of the Amazon reviews said that <laughs> they had to stop highlighting. <laughs> I yeah, love that. Thank because you so it much. because it becomes solid yellow and it's again it's <laughs> it's such a beautiful book. So thank you so much for writing it and thank you so much for being here. And it was just so wonderful to talk to you. Emily, and, my pleasure. Thank you for letting your people know about my work. I appreciate it so much. Well, I can't wait to to see um, what comes from this. I have a feeling maybe this book will go viral, and uh, and uh, I can't wait to see how it all, all unfolds. Well, so. if it does, I'll be sending you a bottle of champagne or whatever <laughs> you like to drink if you're the first one. I'll say, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us here for that amazing interview with Jen Loudon. Again, I will leave all the links that we discussed in the show notes for you. And don't forget, you can get on the wait list for the Heart Medicine Masterclass. There's limited spots, even though it's a virtual experience. And so I want you on the list. Just go to emilyperry.com slash heartmedicine. Claim your spot. You'll learn more very soon. And I can't wait to see you over in the Facebook group. Thank you so much for being here. Take care, be well, and I'll talk to you soon.